Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. That it would be so. When it comes to, to life, when it comes to the things that we go through, we recognize that it is not always a bed of roses, that is not always good, that is not always easy, but we recognize that truly there are difficulties of life even for those that would follow the Lord. I was talking to somebody yesterday that had lost their spouse just a few months ago. This individual mentioned, said, it hit me just the other day. I will not see my husband coming through the door anymore. I'm not going to see. My, my husband is not coming back. Yet, even with that realization, which would be an overwhelming thing for those of you, for all of us, that have people that we love and that we are close to, to, to have that realization, I will not see that person again for whatever reason, if it is death, on this side of heaven. For those of us that are believers, there is a hope that we have that we will see those that have passed on and I believe that it'll be sooner rather than later. I truly believe that Jesus is coming back soon. So often, however, in life, and especially as an unbeliever, that just the thing of, you know what, I won't see my spouse or I won't see a, a, my, my mom or dad or I may not see my child again. And there is no hope in Christ there is no hope to say, well, I'm going to see them again. And, and to me, it would be like how overwhelming, how overwhelming this is for the loss of somebody. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where, you know, you've, you celebrities or people that have passed on or you knew and you just thought, well, you know what, I... I, I recognize this individual and, and the fact that they might be contributing in some way to uh, life and others and whatever. And there's this sense of loss. In fact, even as they would go, just realizing, you know what, they're not coming back. They're gone. As a teacher, I can remember... Being in schools, a, school, a few of the schools that I was at, I was at for a block, a chunk of time. The last school I was at was for 12 years. And as a teacher, I could remember some of the kids that I had during those 12 years. I had them in JK and SK for phys ed. And then being at the graduation in grade 8 to recognize, you know what, the chances of me seeing this individual again are fairly slim. And there is this, this sense of sadness of not being able, I, I'm not going to see this person again. Most likely, I'm not, I'm not going to see these kids again. And I've, w there's been interaction over the years with these different people. The hope that we have as a believer in Jesus Christ is that we will spend eternity together. I look forward to what is yet to come because of the hope that we have. In life, however, even as believers, the problem that we face at times is that we view the circumstances of life, we view the situations around us, the, the, the storms of life, the mountains, the obstacles, the reality of life, and we're looking at it and we're overwhelmed and we say, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And some of the things that we go through, whatever it may be, whether it's relational, 
whether it's health, whether it's finances, whatever, and these things are looming. We're right in the middle of it, and it's like, what am I going to do? And there's a focus on the impossibility of the situation. There's a focus on the fact that it is so extremely negative. And even as believers, we get caught up. The last few months, I've said it a number of times, the times that I am most overwhelmed, even as a pastor, the times that I am most discouraged, the times that I am most overcome is when my focus is on the situation without the Lord. And I am viewing something from a human perspective. Hey, we're, we're humans. And our perspective oftentimes takes on this thing that is apart from God, a view, a perspective that is apart from God, and we get overwhelmed. And so we get swept up, and we get swept off our feet by the things of negative, by the things of circumstances, by the reality of life, and it's like, how can I ever give thanks? How could I ever give glory to God in this situation? In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, it talks about in all things, give thanks. It says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. you say, seriously? Really? Lord, how can I begin to give thanks in this situation? It's not necessarily for everything, but definitely in everything, give thanks. In every circumstance, not necessarily for it, but definitely in it, we need to give thanks. To give thanks. We must be a people that gives thanks to the Lord, that gives glory to the Lord, that acknowledges God. When we think about what he's done, when we re recognize the heart of God to come and to be a part of humanity, to know what it is to be fully human, to know what it is to be hungry, to know what it is to be opposed, to know what it is to go through the extremes of life, even to the point of death, for the sake of being able to take care of the thing that separates us from God, which would be our sins. And he's taking care of it. We have something to be thankful for, for his sacrifice for us, his body that was broken, his blood shed for us. In a few moments, we'll be taking communion, and we recognize, we acknowledge, and we say, thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed for us. Hallelujah. All our sins washed away. The stains cleaned, removed. We are white as snow before the Lord because of what Jesus Christ did for us. His righteousness, robed in his righteousness, not our righteousness, his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ upon us. Only as we believe, even as we would believe, nothing that we do except our faith in Jesus Christ. We have so much to be thankful for. In Ephesians 5, verse 20, it says, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says here, giving thanks for all things to God, the Father. Once again, there's a giving of thanks for, for those things which are of God. There's a number of things that you say, hey, I'm not, hey, I'm not thankful for cancer. I'm not thankful for Alzheimer's. I'm not thankful for 
loss of job. But I am thankful for the fact that God is greater than our health. God is greater than where we are at financially and is able to see us through every situation that we would say we would give thanks and there is a shifting off of the negative to what is good and what is and the positive and not just a negative or positive type of mindset but in the shifting of our focus there's a a shift to God when you have to give thanks to somebody there is this this thing of what am I thankful for? And there is a communicating with that individual when you say thank you. The same thing needs to take place when it comes to God, is that there would be a communication with the Lord and a directing of thanksgiving to him. Hallelujah. In Philippians 4, verse 11, it's interesting that Paul talks about bad situations and good situations in life. And it says in verse 11, Philippians 4, 11, it says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned whatever state I am, whatever state I am in, and I am, to be content to be content. I know how to be abased or to keep rejoicing when there is not much. When there's when everything is when things are bad. I can humble myself in the situation, even to give thanks in the situation. And we'll say, where are you getting that from? Well, we'll see that just in a moment. And I know how to abound. Or to keep rejoicing when there is much, acknowledging where it has come from. So often when, we, when things are going good and things are, are easy and life is good, I, sometimes we may neglect to give thanks. We just, well, hey, that's, life is good. But when life is good, to be able to continue to give thanks to the Lord, to acknowledge him, Lord, I thank you for... The, your goodness to me. I thank you for your goodness to me. So whatever state I'm in, to be content, he's learned that. It wasn't, obviously, it wasn't always that way. Because I know, oftentimes, I'm at a place of, of grumbling or complaining in the situation. Why? Because I'm focused on the negative. I'm focused, my, my view is on the problem. And so it is difficult, so we grumble, we complain. Whoever will listen, we let them know exactly what situation we're in and how bad it is and how negative it is. And I'm not saying that we just bury our head in the sand and we don't acknowledge it. But what I am saying is this, is so often, though, we get, we, we get even further down emotionally and mentally, and we get to a point of, of great anxiety and fear because there's a focus on the negative. It says, I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So regardless of the situation I'm, I'm in, and in verse 13 it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ, I will get through this situation. As a child of God, he is with us, that I would begin to rejoice the Lord is with me in this situation. I am not alone in this situation. I don't know the outcome. I don't know how it's going to work out, but he does. And he's with us. He is with me, and he will get me through this. So I give thanks to him. I rejoice in him. Let's go back and look at the verses leading up to this statement, these statements of, of learning to be content and whether you, with much or little, to be able to, to give God the glory even as he recognizes 
that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look what it says. And once again, as I began the service this morning, recognizing that Paul has been in prison or confined for at least two years, possibly three or four years when this was written. He is saying in verse 4, he says, Rejoice, be glad in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Be glad in the Lord always. Let your gentleness, your moderation, your stability, your patience be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. In other words, if the Lord is at hand, if something's at hand, it is close by. These, these are all within my reach. They're close by. The word of God, it's at, at hand. You need to know as a child of God that the Lord is at hand in your situation. Thank you, Jesus. You are with me. It says in verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer or communication to God. There's a communicating to him. And supplication. So by prayer and supplication, we say, what's supplication? It's not just I'm communicating with God, but it's like, man, I might be so far from God. I'm going out to look. I am looking for God because maybe, well, it's not that God is, is far from us. He is right there. I heard a man once say years ago, I had I had walked so far from God, I felt like I was 10,000 miles from him. That's how he felt. He says, but then I turned, and he was right there. You know what? I want you to know the Lord is with us, and we can come to him. And sometimes we just we come maybe casually, but supplication is seeking, asking, entreating. is saying, God, this is where I'm at. It's, it's letting him know where you're at in your emotions, in your feelings, in your mind, in your thinking, your thoughts that may be so negative, and you can say, Lord, this is where I'm at. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to take care of this situation. And the Lord is saying, listen, we don't just bury our head in the sand. Come to me. Bring these things, these weights, these burdens to the Lord, and, and he says, casting all your cares upon him, the things that are weighing us down, cast them, give them over to the Lord because he cares for us. He says, my, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. He says, come to me, those of you that are weary and heavy laden. He's saying, I don't want you to be carrying these things. You say, Pastor, but I am going through situations I don't know the outcome or the doctors might be saying, this is not good. This is extreme. And there's this, this, this heaviness and there's this overwhelming sense about us. And the Lord is saying, you can come to me. To be able to give thanks, to be able to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord is saying, yeah, you can come to me and you can let your requests be made known unto God. Let them be known unto God. God isn't saying, hey, I don't want to hear your problems. I don't know what you're going through. I don't want to know what you're going through because there's nothing I can do. Listen, there are times where it's like people come to me with situations that are so extreme. There is nothing that I can do. And it's at those points, and this is the same thing for you, you can say, but can I pray for you? I had somebody just say the other few weeks back, the word nevertheless. Yes, you are going through all these things. Nevertheless, let's pray. Let's bring these requests. Let's bring these supplications. Let's bring this, this heaviness to the Lord, and let's pray. We can do that as we acknowledge God. Hallelujah. He says, as we do this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, this is Philippians 4, 7, will guard or keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
There are two miracles that take place in Hebrews chapter 11. Miracles of deliverance as our faith is in Jesus Christ. And miracles of endurance. Listen, we want, the, we want the deliverance, but the Lord is saying, listen, you can also, I will keep you in the storm. And you go through it, and the Lord, and as, as you look back, you realize, I can't believe what I've gone through, but the Lord was with me, and I have been able to endure. Hallelujah. And so rather than focusing on all that is wrong, I'm not talking about being unaware. I'm not talking about burying your head in the sand, as I mentioned already. I'm not talking about being irresponsible. There's things that we need to take responsibility for or take care of. But I'm talking about focusing on those things which are true. It says, finally, brethren, Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, it is true that the Lord will not leave us nor forsake us. It is true that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is true that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. It is true that by his stripes we were healed. These things are truth. That we would begin to meditate on these things. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, anything of, of, of excellent things of thought and action and speech, of virtue, think on these things. Meditate. If there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Let your mind, listen, when your mind is at a place where you cannot praise the Lord, you cannot give thanks, you cannot glorify Him, that you would begin to meditate on His faithfulness in the past. He has been faithful to you in the past. I thank God for the song, Great is Your Faithfulness. As we begin to meditate on this is what the Lord has done. So often I hear believers complaining and grumbling about their situation. And I, once again, not to say it's not real, but there is such a negativity that just leads to more negativity, that leads to just a, a sense of, my goodness, I don't even want to live anymore. Lord, I want to begin, I need to begin to praise you for your faithfulness, for your goodness. And Lord, not just for what has been, but what is right now that you are with me in this situation. You will see me through. Hallelujah. So I can move forward. Because there is so much ahead of us that we can give thanks to the Lord for. Just listen, just a few things here. Romans 5. Verse 6. Just think on this. Meditate on this. Jesus died for us so that we could have life, to have it abundantly. Jesus died for you and for me that we can have life. It says, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We'd all say, well, it goes on. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. You might, you and I, we may die, give our life for someone that is righteous. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. Not just righteous, but a good man, we might die for them. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's like, I want nothing to do with God. I just want to do my own thing. And the Lord Jesus died for us in that condition. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, his death for us, his bloodshed. We are justified. We've made right before God. It's as if we'd never sinned, washed clean, made white, made whole. Listen, some of you. would say, I would never want to share the things that I've done in the past because they're so heinous. They're so, I'm so ashamed of what I've done. 
I feel so guilty for what I have done in the past. Listen, with our faith in Jesus Christ, and listen to me, sinner and unbeliever, the things you might say, I'm not worthy of God. And we aren't worthy of God. There's nothing that we can do to attain and come into the presence of God. There is nothing that we can do. We've all sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And we deserve to be apart from God for eternity. But yet Jesus took the sacrifice. He took and he was our substitute so that we can be washed clean by his broken body and shed blood for us. And so the things that are of shame, the things that are of guilt, the things that are, of, that are so extreme, we'd want nobody to know the Lord has taken care of all of those things and he has washed you clean as you place your faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Lord, that you would receive all the glory and honor and praise. By his blood, we are put into right standing. Justified is I'm in right standing with God. When God the Father looks at, at, at me, I haven't arrived yet. But when he looks at me as my faith is in Christ, he sees Dave as justified, in right standing. Dave's in right standing. As your faith is in Jesus Christ and continues in Jesus Christ and his finished work. That's why we have communion this morning. We are reminded of what he has done for us. We're reminded, he says, take these things in remembrance of me, my body that's broken, my blood that was shed for you. And even as we would remember and hang on to that, we are justified by his blood and we shall be saved from wrath through him. The wrath that we deserve, the separation, being apart from God, the Lord Jesus Christ took it upon himself. For if... When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus did not remain down, but he rose again on the third day. He overcame death. He overcame hell. He overcame the dominion and power of sin that's in our life. And as he rose from the dead, we, we don't serve a God that is dead. We serve a God that is alive. Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father. And we have life in and through him. And he says, even when we were enemies, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are reconciled. Reconciliation is a beautiful thing. Hallelujah. To be reconciled. You know, if you ever had an issue with somebody, you've had a, a there's been a problem. And there's no more relationship. Reconciliation is all about relationship being restored. And the Lord Jesus is saying, hey, you can have reconciliation, you can have relationship to the point. Let me tell you just how close this relationship is. It says, as we receive Christ, it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God, even to those that believe on his name. To become a child of God. And we're not born just of the will of man, of flesh and blood. But we are born of God the moment we receive Christ. And we say, thank you, Jesus. I am a child of God. I am a son. I am a daughter of the Most High God. I have a heavenly Father because I've been born of God. Hallelujah. That we would give him glory and praise, that we would exalt his name forever. To him be the glory, especially on this week, this weekend. And it shouldn't be just this weekend, but every day. Lord, thank you. Father, you love the world so much that you gave your only son, that even as we believe in you, Jesus, we have everlasting life. We will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Praise God. You might say, is this sin issue a big deal? I, heard, I, I read something. I think I mentioned it last week. I read some, something like, you know what? Sin's not, a, sin's not a, a, a big issue. And I don't know what the guy was trying to say, this, this pastor was trying to say. It's like, that's not a big deal, Sin. I was, I, I was reading through this, this 
article that he had written, and it's like, am I hearing this right? I just says, right after John 3.16, for God so loved the world, goes on to say, he who believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. We say, well, this is not dealing with sin. It's dealing with our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to believe in Jesus Christ for our salvation and for our salvation from our sins because he has not believed, the person that's condemned has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Let me just say this. As we come into the presence of God, as the gospel is presented, the good news of Jesus Christ is presented, there's an aspect of light. We come into this light, and as soon as we come into light, we say, oh, oh, my goodness. You know what? I, I could be filthy. I could come in with rags and, and, and filthy. As long as the lights are off, I could be preaching. As soon as I, as the lights go on, it's suddenly it's like, oh, my goodness. I'm not, I'm not in the best condition. And as we come into the presence of God, we come into a place of realizing, oh, my goodness, I'm not in the best condition. There needs to be changes taking place in my life. This thing of practicing sin. Listen, let me say this. It's, it's been a, a, a little while since I've mentioned this. Folks, it is very hard to worship and praise the Lord and be practicing sin. If the Holy Spirit is convicting, listen, the Lord desires for there to be a taking care of the things that would separate us from God. And if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, there's something that needs to change. There are many things that we hang on to. As this passage says, they, they prefer. Everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to light lest his deeds should be exposed. I don't want to be in the presence of God, I don't want to come. I don't want to come to church, and especially if the preacher is preaching and is not afraid to mention sin. I'll tell you, when I mention sin, I will mention the fact that there is a solution to our sin, and that is Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross. His body, His blood shed for us, and to be able to take care of those things. But I'll tell you right now, you need to let go and get rid of those sins that so easily beset you as we come to the finish line. If you think that you can continue to practice sin and inherit the kingdom of God, you haven't read scriptures. We need to deal with our sin. I'm not talking about there's a difference between practicing sin and slipping. Just the other day, Pastor Nathan and I, we had a conversation, had a conversation about our, our position in Christ and our condition before Christ. Our position is that we are in the right place of standing with God as our faith is in Jesus Christ. But our condition, as we begin to totally surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll tell you, when you surrender to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will come and begin to deal with different areas in your life that need to change. And the, the, the beautiful, powerful thing is this, that Jesus, as our faith is there, the Holy Spirit is able to help us deal with the things of the practicing of sin. It is not in our own strength, but it is by the power of the Holy Spirit as we say, yes, Lord, I surrender to you. I submit to your word. I want to do what your will is. And God's will is not that we would be practicing sin. That's not the will of God. Lord, let your will be done. And as we 
Our position by faith is here. We are in the right place of standing before the Lord because of our faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. But there's a work of change that begins to take place. It's called sanctification. As I totally surrender my life to the Lord, Jesus, you are Lord, sanctification begins to take place by the power of the Holy Spirit on us. And the things that you could not change on your own, as you surrender to the Lord, it's no longer you that is doing it, but there is a power, the power of the Holy Spirit to take care of those things in your life that you could never overcome. And so the things of sin get to a place of, man, I don't want to do those things. This sin condition is serious, but man, it is so easily taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, that is the only thing that takes care of our sin condition, the blood of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit begins to do a work. This thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that there would be a praise and glory that goes up, up to Jesus. You say, Pastor, are you perfect? Hey, listen, I have people that live with me. Pastor Nathan uh, is at a place of saying, okay, yeah, I, I know Pastor Dave is not perfect. Pastor Joel, we spend time together daily or almost daily. They're recognizing, oh, you know what? Pastor Dave is far from perfect. But thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit as my faith remains in the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There's a work done that I can glorify. And I say, thank you, Lord. You are, there is changes. I be, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus in my condition, the state that I'm in, in my behavior, in my, who I am. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. I just say, thank you, Lord, for that. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. We were once dead, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Man, we're just catering to self. It's all about me and what gratifies the flesh, and I don't care about anything else. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. There is so much ahead of us. And yet, even before the Lord returns, may I say this? Before the Lord returns, there is still work to be done. Lord, what is it that you'd have me do? Lord, one of the biggest things, not just dealing with our own where we are standing, but to, to interact with those that don't know Christ, that there would be a coming to know him as well. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not anything we can do, not of works, not of anything that we have done, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Lord has a plan that's specific to you, that it would be accomplished in your life. Hallelujah. 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 So what can we do? You know what? We can give thanks. And as I said earlier, that there would be a praise that goes up in this place to the Lord. We can give thanks. However, listen to this. This is a prayer of Paul. He says, we don't cease to pray for you those that are in Colossae, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you would know what God would have you do, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Lord, let your will be done in my life that there would be a praise that goes up to you, that I would be fruitful on everything that I do, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, to the power of the Holy Spirit helping us 
to do the will of God for all patience and long-suffering with joy, no matter what, good or bad, that there would be a rejoicing. Lord, I'm going to serve you. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. It's like, man, we have so much now and for eternity. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. All of this possible because he is sovereign. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. There is this thing of coming to life even as he was dead. He existed before time began. He always was Jesus. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. I'll say this. There is nothing on this planet at this point, even that which is wicked and evil, that God is not sovereign over. Does he condone it? Does he want these things? No. But he is sovereign over all things, and even the principalities and powers of darkness. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He would be first. As a child of God, in our much and in our little, as a child of God, in our calm or in our storm, let Jesus Christ receive all the glory, all the praise, all the worship, not just a lip service, but from the heart that we would give them our entire life. I want to call the, the worship team if they would come forward. If you don't have the emblems here, uh, if you need to get an em the, the emblems, just I think there's some still in the back. You can go. They're, they're available. Uh, but we want to acknowledge Jesus Christ. For of him and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And just as, as we would prepare for communion, can I just ask if there's anybody here, or maybe you're watching online, and you're, you're catching this, this message, and you're, you're just saying, you know what? There's no way I can give thanks or glory to God, but I want to. Listen, we cannot worship, we cannot praise God truly, if we're not a believer, a child of God, we cannot worship God. You can have people sing beautifully songs of praise and worship that don't believe in God. They're just coming up to perform. They will not be able to worship God. God is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. You cannot worship in truth without having the truth in your life. And so it'd be just a song that is sung, but to glorify him. So for those of you that you want to say, hey, I want to glorify God. I want to exalt him. It is only as a child of God. So we need to deal with the sin issue. We need to deal with and acknowledge Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Can we stand together? And I just want to take a moment to pray here. And, and maybe if I could have those, those of you that are believers and followers of Jesus Christ, if you would pray with me for the sake, if there's even just one person here in the sanctuary that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you need to give your life to him. Listen, religion can't save you. You being a, a member at a church can't save you. The only one that can save is Jesus Christ as you place your faith in him, as you acknowledge your sin, but as you place your faith in him, what he did for you on the cross 2,000 years ago, and as you allow him to be Lord in your life, as you allow him to come into your life. So let's just pray together, if you would. Jesus, I want to glorify you. but I acknowledge that I am a sinner. You took care of all my sins. I believe that. You died for me. 
and you rose again. I believe that. So you've taken care of my sins as I place my faith in you. I confess that. I believe it in my heart. Come into my life, Jesus. Be my Lord as well. I submit my will. Let your will be done in my life so that you can receive all the glory forever. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, let, let somebody know that is a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me know. You can reach me at pastor at lighthouseniagara.com. Listen, if you're here in this auditorium today, you can take part. Next week, Jesus said we should make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I've commanded you, and I will be with you right to the end of the age. That you would say, hey, I, I need to be baptized. It's a public demonstration of his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what baptism stands for, his death, his burial, and resurrection. As we go into the water, just as Jesus went to the cross and he died. He was buried, but he rose again. And we make a public confession of that in water baptism. That's what our faith is in. Make sure you, you sign up. Let me know that you want to get baptized. We want to add you and include you next week as we have our baptismal service. And uh, the Lord is so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 11. And it talks, talks about Paul. Paul wrote half the New Testament. The letters he writes when it comes to the books, letters inspired by the Holy Spirit, by God. He was not one of the original 12 but the Lord revealed to him about the night in which Jesus was betrayed. Paul wasn't there. Paul wasn't there. We don't know if he was at the crucifixion. He wasn't. I don't believe he was at the crucifixion. I don't think there's any scripture. But there is a revelation that came to him about Jesus' death. Just amazing. He says, I've received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's just do that. Just take off. There's two tabs. Take off the top one. It's the clear one. I know it's a little bit hard to open up with one hand. This, this is an emblem of his body that was broken for us. He says, do this. He says, he had given thanks. He broke it and said, take ye. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this. 2,000 years later, we're doing this. We're, we're acknowledging Jesus' death on the cross. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your body that was broken, Lord, even as you were led to the cross. Lord, there was a scourging. There was a, a beating. There was a brutalizing of you. Lord, there were wounds that opened up. There were bruises all over your body as you bore Lord, every health condition as you bore it all for us, Lord, that by your stripes we could be have healing. And so, Lord, you want to take care of every single situation of our lives that is broken, that needs to be fixed and mended. Lord, you want to, you are able to, to do that work. So, Lord, we say at this time, thank you. We thank you for your body that was broken. Hallelujah. Let's all partake of the bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
It's the new covenant in my blood. This do often as you drink, as you drink it in remembrance of me. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to this moment in time that would come. The, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection was all pointing. And even as they took communion, was pointing to Jesus who would die in just a few hours. We look back now and we acknowledge a new covenant. We do not, we are not able, never was anybody able to make it to heaven except by his shed blood. By his body that was broken, the veil was torn in two, which is his flesh. His body broken, his blood shed, so we can come into the presence of God. There is no other way. And so we remember and we acknowledge in taking the cup, this new covenant that was put in place. And I say, thank you, Lord, for that. Let's all partake of the cup in remembrance. Lord, we thank you for your, your blood that was shed for us, that takes care of our sin, that washes our sins away. We thank you for your righteousness upon us. Lord, it is so amazing, Lord, that we can be standing in, in right standing, justified before the Father because of you. And so we acknowledge that this morning. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Hallelujah. 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 To proclaim the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross as we close the service. I want that there would be a thanksgiving that goes up to the Lord. Maybe during the songs there might be just a a praise as you would just say thank you Jesus for forgiving my sins or thank you Jesus whatever it may be in your life that there would be a praise that 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 begins to form in your mind and in your and a thanksgiving in your heart and a glorifying of Jesus Christ hallelujah 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 let's worship him together Let's praise him. If you want to come forward, if you want to come to the altar and give praise at the front here, I would just ask, come right to the front so others can come in behind you. But the altar is as well is open here that we would just give praise, just thanksgiving this morning for his work on the cross for us, that he would receive the glory forever and ever. Let it be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.